episode number 38 of the Tarn Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So, Tom, how you doing? Another week, another dollar. Was it another, another week, another dollar? It's another day, another dollar. Uh, yeah, getting my stains wrong from the start. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's not a saying, but yeah, it is another week. We're, we're well into January now. Uh, so, yeah, same old, same old. How about you? How was you just You've been jet-setting. You're, you're back from, uh, from a, a wee trip. Back from Venice, back from sunny Venice, it was a uh, great place for great place for for going going and sightseeing and just chilling the hell out. But a, a horrendous place for running. There's, t- there's far too many bridges. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was great. We did just myself and Debbie. We we did a wee we we left on the Friday and came back Sunday night. Um, and yeah, just a nice chilled out weekend and. Uh, lots of walking around over the along the along all the canals and um, we didn't go in any of the gondolas. We just went in the bus boat. Bloody expensive the gondola. It was like eight euros for half an hour, and it's like, well, the boat's just as nice. So, uh, so we went on the boat a few times and uh, watched the sunset and the the sunrise in the morning when we did our morning run. So that oh, was great. It was great, Lovely. Tom. So back back to normality now. Um, this week, so back that's to a, work. That's a nice way to escape the the January blues by getting away for a, a for, uh, an early weekend. Oh, it is definitely. But talking about the January blues, after I came back, I've I've had a bit of a a cold, and um, for the listeners, myself and Tom have just been chatting for the last ten minutes, and I've been coughing like I've had seventy a day for the last ten years, haven't I, Tom? Aye, <laughs> yeah. So I was away to crack. I was away to crack open some some beer. Um, but it's it, it's it's going to be a ginger beer tonight, and I think many more ginger beers to come. Uh, so, oh well, what can you do? But uh, so aside from Venice, how's your training been last week? What have you been up to running wise? Uh, well, like I mentioned, I did a session on Saturday, uh, just along just along one of the the stretches um, in Venice. And every within one mile, I had about four bridges to overcome. So, uh, but I just did like a kind of forty-five minute tempo just along the along that stretch, um, and it was like I don't know, it was about a mile and a half, two miles long. So I just kept going up back and forth for a few uh, about yeah forty odd minutes. So that was quite a good session, but time wise, pretty shite. Um, to be honest, Tom, the the train has been going pretty crap this week. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be honest. It's been shite. I've I've had a. I'm feeling like crap. I've my hips still giving me some jip, uh, and yeah, just just and it's cold in Scotland again. It's starting to snow. It's just rubbish just it now. Is. The weather, um, the weather, this, the weather uh, as of tonight is rubbish. Yeah, it, it is. But I mean, I've had the odd good session here and there. But I mean, I'm talking about my hip. I mean, I, I, we had this chat before you know what's what is an injury is an injury when you can't run or is it uh or or, or you know what's the definition of a running injury um so uh, I'm, I'm not going to say i've got this injury because i've had this niggle for about i don't know about eight to nine months now but i can still run on it i'm just um i'm just trying to be a little bit more careful what i'm doing and um but so so this week i've also been just planning when i met up with lewis uh, a couple of weeks ago we chatted about running goals and uh we also chatted about the kind of training i've been doing so one of the tasks i had for myself uh was to just write the sessions that i was going to put 
you know, to to do on 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 the spreadsheet, and then to send it to him and gauge what his thoughts are. But when I'm looking at what I have to do, when I'm looking at the training and the intensity and the volume, it's it's a hell of a lot of work. So I really mm-hmm. want to get this hip fixed before I, I crack on, you know. Yeah. Um, but have fingers. Seen, cr- have you sorry, seen a physio? Have you seen a physio yet? I'm, I've got an appointment with James this Friday at 3 p.m. Top, top man. So fingers crossed, he uh, he sorts me out. He, he he gives me the magic wand. <laughs> yes. That's what every runner wants is a magic wand. Yeah, exactly. The magic sponge makes it all yeah. makes it all better. Exactly. But, but need, needless to, needless to say, Tom, I'm still being a, I'm still able to run. You know, it's not like I can't run at all. I'm just having, I'm just trying to take it a little bit easier and and really. Don't aggravate. But what I also started doing, um, and I've also added this into my schedule, it's in black and white as well, Tom, mm-hmm. is uh, Pilates. Very good. So I've got some Pilates on good old YouTube. Every 20 minutes on a Monday. So if you every, fancy... Every, every 20 minutes? Every, the, every, every, you mean, every you mean Monday. 20, 20 minutes every Monday, okay. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. oh, my brain's ill as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough rambling... Enough rambling about me. How are you? How are you uh, getting on? Oh, mate, and I'm, I, and, I'm in fact, fed up. I know what the answer is to this, but just tell me. Tell yeah, the listeners. I'm fed up, mate. I'm fed up. That's now coming on four weeks since I've really been running, and it's it's just not, it's just knee. It's a pain in the arse. It's a pain in the knee, is what it is. And anyway, the good news yeah. is I saw. I finally saw Big JC today, James Cruikshank, uh, and that's anyway. So I feel like I've got a bit of a steer now. But it's uh, it's really annoying because I, I run on it and I think it's so it's I don't know people call it runner's knee or whatever it is but it's just the kneecap is catching on a tendon I guess or the tendon's inflamed and so it's whenever I put any sort of um, any sort of power or force through the left leg so and it's it's a, it's really annoying because it's not even like I can I can really jog in it now it got to a much better place on Saturday and I got up to six miles I thought this is this is good. It's manageable. And I went out on Sunday with a few of the boys, and it was a good run with a good group of guys. You have Cameron Strachan, Michael Ferguson, I've Aberdeen AC, Miles Edwards, um, Ben Ward, Run Beer. Uh, who else was there? Andrew Ferguson, and uh, shout out to Matthew Daly, who was also out. And and I twisted it, and it's gotten so much worse to the extent I'm doing back to these sort of two mile piddly runs. And what's ah. interesting, when I be I went out one lunch with uh, some folk at work, and the old man Dave, who we've talked about in here, he was out and he was, he said to me, "You're limping," and I, I don't even notice it. But I'm, what I'm, I'm just, you know, when you sort of try, you're subconsciously obviously trying to protect that knee. So I'm now, my form is all over the place. I'm, I've got this in my head that the knee is sore. So, anyway, without oh, that's not good. Yeah. So anyway, my frustration is, I'm, I'll just share it openly with the listeners because they, it's, this is what it's all about in here. Sharing is caring. My, my thoughts are now, and this may or may not be rational or correct but I'm now like right that's four weeks of training I've lost I've got probably a week or two more before I can really get into it and I'm only 12 weeks out from a marathon and I'm getting I'm now getting to the stage I'll, I'll get going and I'll see how it goes and the half in March will tell me where I'm at but it's just so frustrating when you're staring down the barrel of a training cycle and you're like especially after Frankfurt I thought I was going to come off the back of that and go to a new level and I think I'm going to be probably scraping to get back into that shape but I, we'll see. We'll see how it goes in the next few weeks. It's just bloody frustrating. The good thing is, as I say, I've got a way forward now, and uh, and hopefully 
next week I can give some much more exciting news to the listeners <laughs> on this uh, suicidal <laughs> ramble. But to be, to be honest, though, right, even if we were the only ones who listened to this show, right? So imagine how good it would be as a diary. Absolutely. Well, do you know what? Fiona made a point to me saying, what's really good about this? And she gave the example of, of your your races in the summer in... Um, which one was it? Uh, Davos. Sure. Davos won. Yeah. And also the the, marath- the marathons you did. And then me for Frankfurt. And actually, I haven't listened back to it yet, but I need to, because basically that captures everything I did on race day. <laughs> and it talks about how I did the race. <laughs> so it's like, it's a so great got, way to find out. Yeah, yeah. You've got it forevermore, you know, providing that we keep continuing to pay for SoundCloud. We're gonna, yeah, have, exactly, we're, gonna have yeah. this, uh, we're gonna have these episodes forever. Well, um, yeah. That, so um, anyway, so it is a well. You're right. It's a it's a good it's a good diary. So we'll see. But um, it's just uh, it, all our listeners go through these ups and downs, and it's just a wee bit of an annoyance. And do you know what? One of the big reasons I think that is such a frustration for me is so at the moment. So Fiona's away. She's in in Houston at the moment. So I'm absolute Billy no mates at the moment. And when you sort of sort of start to real like realize my the sort of boys I hang out with in Aberdeen are runners, so they're all yeah. bloody out running or going to races, and it's just the amount of free time I've got is ridiculous. Now I'm on the bike quite a lot, and that's super dull. I'm plowing my way through Narcos season one on the turbo. <laughs> I, mean, I know your wife knows better than anyone what it's like uh, sitting on a turbo. Oh but, yeah. Oh, it's just it's killed me now though. That is, I find the turbo. So, and it's not actually that great for the knee, which is why I'm not doing it maybe as much as I can. So, anyway, I've seen James Cruikshank. He is the magic man. So, this is, I'm, on, <laughs> I'm on the path to I'm on the path backwards. So the path hoping, of enlightenment. Exactly. So <laughs> I'm hoping this time next week we'll be back pain free and I'll be more positive. Uh-huh. But do you know what I did do actually? And this is maybe a knee jerk reaction. I Fortnite. Entered, yeah, of course. <laughs> Standard. <laughs> How are you getting I, on with Fortnite? I haven't actually played it since the last since we spoke. I've gone. I've been. Do you know what? Work now. Nobody cares about your running. People just want to know how you get into Fortnite now. So and, if, you, uh, if you play Fortnite, look me up. T Bizzle Seven. Jesus. That's well, a but... that's a flashback to a uni a uni account we had. So there's a, there's an embarrassing story for everyone. But what uh, um what I have been doing uh, is uh you know I've lost my train of thought there, mate. I totally lost it. Ah, right. It was, oh yeah, sorry. Knee jerk reaction. I entered the. The Boston 5K, which is the day before the marathon, because I thought, you know, if I if this does, because that is really difficult to get into, but it's a really okay. quick international 5K, and I thought, yeah, I'm, my plan is to run and race the Boston Marathon, but I do not want to find that I'm out there because Fiona's running, which is great, yeah, yeah. hotels and flights. I don't want to get out there and think I can't, um, you know, I can't run the marathon. Say this goes on for a while, which hopefully it won't, but say it does, I just want to have a fallback. So that's good. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a great idea. Although I'm sure, how much did five K cost? Is it not yeah, like? I well, it's, um, it's fifty dollars. So oh, I know it's well. I, I think actually, even if I run the marathon, I might just light up, walk around it to get my T-shirt for my fifty dollars. Yeah, I mean, you could probably sell your. Can, I mean, you can't you, sell your I, place, but I tell you what, the fifty dollars will be nothing compared to the two hundred and fifty I'll lose if I don't do the marathon. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jesus. That's these a American good point. races, these they're daylight robbery. These American races. Ah, oh, they are. I mean, even uh, the Chicago Marathon was what was it, two hundred euros, and uh, not euros, uh, dollars. And then the Niagara one was was a was a, just what was one hundred twenty euros or something. Oosh, that's not even ridiculous. A 
That's crazy. That is crazy. That's the Niagara monsters. I mean, it wasn't a major, obviously. If it was, then I'd, I'd be a millionaire in that. Well, maybe not a millionaire, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh God. Oh, I, well, that's not good. But well, I tell I also, you what, on, the, on these races, also signed up to hundred movies as well. What is it? You, uh, yes. What's that about? You've been you've been watching my Instagram. I yeah, have. I got, yeah. uh, so for Christmas, my brother, my uh, sister and brother-in-law kindly got me a. Uh, Hundred movies bucket list scratch poster. So it's got the hundred movies that you must see, <laughs> and you scratch them off as you go. And it's oh, really cool I'm actually. So I'm now down. Um, I was at fifty five. I watched. I watched. Um, what did I watch on the weekend? That's uh, a. You must mind. have a hell of a lot of movies now that you're. Oh, I've, I've got a huge list to get through. I know. Oh, I watched um, in Bruges on the weekend, which was excellent, I must say. Okay. So uh, already it's paying dividends. But I need to watch. Uh, I think this week I've got City of God lined up next. Nice. What, what other ones? Uh, what other ones have you? What's your favourite one so far that you scratched off? Uh, you only scratched off two. I've only no. I've scratched off fifty-five. All right. Okay. So I'm of. So I'm. I'm way through it. I mean, there's some classics on there, of varying genres, and I mean, The Lion King's on there. You know, it's ah. it's all it's all sorts of it's bucket list <laughs> movies. Is what it is. So if you're interested to follow my progress listeners you can find me at Tom Bryan 7 on Instagram Pete <laughs> Bizzle for uh, for that <laughs> yeah Jesus anyway I keep saying Jesus so what else what were you going to say before I rudely interrupted you no I was uh, I was going to say that that is probably enough uh, depressing injury chat so we can I guess we can move on we've got actually some exciting stuff to talk about this week though we do, yeah. We've got a few things coming up. Obviously, we're gonna we've we've rambled on about our training, so that's the boring part away. Uh, we've also got Dion Leonard, and uh, yeah, he's he's the author of the book Finding Gobi, which is a Sunday Times bestseller, and he's also a top extreme ultra runner. So we'll be chatting all things dogs and all things extreme ultra running uh, later on in the show. So there you go, Tom. Um, and we also have some a couple of runners rants as well. So thank you for sending them on the show. And also just uh, a roundup of the news in Scotland, mainly the uh, inter-district cross-country championships and international cross-country. And also a couple other bits and bobs uh, that are of a good highlight as well. So there we go. Yes, very good. So that is probably a, a good time to then start on inter-districts. So that was um, that was held. We talked about it last week. It was held in Stirling for for the first time. And before we get on to the international race, which we can pass comment on, uh, we'll talk about the uh, the Scottish inter districts. Uh, I watched, so I watched the international. So I saw the course and spoke to a few guys who <coughs> who run it. And I think it looked to be quite a quick. It actually looked to be quite a quick course in the sense it looked fairly good underfoot. Um, it probably most races I saw looked like they went out at a blistering pace, perhaps driven by that, uh, you know, good underfoot and and whatnot. Although it did look relatively lumpy, so um, so that yeah, maybe that that may have uh, may have, I know people are saying it was it was hard going, so that may have come into it. But on the women's side, if we start with that. It was uh, as we thought, favourite Mary McLennan, Scottish Unis, um, also uh, University of Edinburgh, so she won in twenty forty to take the inter-district title. In second place was a North of England athlete, so they it's uh, east-west, north of Scotland, with also North of England as a guest. So Lucy Crooks from Leeds City was second in 2055, so about 15 seconds behind Mary. And in third place was Central AC East District athlete Mori, Morag Miller in 2108. So quite a clear win for Mary. And 
that was an East District win for the women's title, which is not that unsurprising, to be honest. Yeah, it was a, a fairly clear win by the East as well, uh, ahead of the North of England, and the Scottish students as well in third. So, yeah, well done to the, the girls in the race. And the guys, uh, it looks like Lachlan Oates absolutely hammered the field. Um, so he was running for the West and runs also for Shettleston, ahead of fairly clear, clear cut, really. Uh, ahead of Linton Taylor uh, of um, Leeds, north of England, 25-23. And third was Alistair Hay as well. A great run by Alistair in uh, 25-25. So pretty close at the front, I, I must say. Um, I, I also believe that Lachlan, uh, he lost his number and had to pick it up. So oh, really? Pro- yeah, yeah. So, uh, from what I believe anyway. So he would have probably won a, got another few seconds in the bag there as well. So... Yeah, well done to Lachlan, and that meant that West actually won the the team team prize as well for the, ahead of Eastern, uh, yeah. one point behind, believe it or not. It's a bit of a and, surprise that. Yeah, usually, I mean, I think last year the East East were the winners, so yeah, well done to um, well done to the West for for pip, pipping the East District by one point ahead of uh, also in third was well in third was North England in eighty six. Mm. Points, so. There was I saw some photos of the race and it looked like it looked somewhere on the first lap. Ali hit, uh, sorry, Andy Douglas was leading the race, so Andy must have gone out like an absolute steam train. Uh, uh, yeah, I did see that as well. Um, I think he did. Yeah, what was he seventh overall? Was he at the end? Seventh overall, yeah. And yeah. I tell you, it was a good result, a good run. I'm very impressed with uh, um, Sasha Cheplin. Alexander Cheplin. Alexander Cheplin, sixth. That's a great uh, ahead, result. Ahead of him. Andy Douglas and uh, and you know guys like head of Cameron Strack and Dougie Selman. Dougie Selman looking back in good shape as well. So yeah, really interesting set of results. Yeah, really good as well. Obviously Callum McKenzie got a fourth place as well. So shout out to Callum. Um, and yeah, I think I've obviously got a bit of um, you know a bit of favoritism for Sasha because he is a he is up from he's he's from fairly local actually. I think in the the D side area and. Uh, and his brother, Oleg Chetlin, used to be a, a really good hill runner as well, and still is. Mm, um, so he's yeah. still kicking about. Uh, perhaps, I mean, another thing about, you know, these orienteers, it's not even their main sport. So, uh, you know, like your, your Chris Joneses and your Scott Frasers and your Sasha Chetlins, all these guys are, you know, doing all the other events. So maybe there's a bit of belief in, in having more, more than one sport that you compete in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, as you say, Chris Jones, he's a, he's, he's a good example of that. Um, and I guess, actually, that leads us on well to the international. On the international, so before we go into the results, having watched it, I mean, I think Sterling <laughs> sounds like a great venue for it, but do you know what? It didn't look... It looked, I say great venue in terms of, you know, it's still, it keeps it in Scotland, it's, you know, relatively accessible. But what what really disappointing was it? Did, I'm not there, so I'm maybe not being quite fair but looking at the tv coverage it did the atmosphere didn't quite look like it used to be at edinburgh and it was a bit of a shambles in the sense someone went was sent someone went the wrong way in both the men's race and in one of the relays so you oh, think no. you know if they're gonna do it, it's not that difficult an international race like that to to ensure that it's well marked enough for athletes to go the right way and in the end i think both the guy the guy um Whose, whose name uh, escapes me? The American who who won it, he went the wrong way, and he actually came back came back through to win. So it was all was well, I guess. But you just think, come on, get that right. And it didn't. It just didn't quite look to have the 
I mean, in previous years, I guess when you've got guys like Mo and Callum Hawkins running, it does get a bit more of that sort of big event feel to it, especially you know when it's you know live on the BBC. But it was the it didn't quite have that. I don't know why I felt that watching it. It didn't quite have the the, the usual feel atmosphere draw to it. You know. I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's, obviously, I mean, it's not, firstly, number one, it's not below Arthur's seat, is it? I mean, you know, that's, you can't you can't really get a better backdrop than that, really, in a, in a cross-country yeah. race. Um, True. Secondly, last year's event was just electric because of Callum Hawkins, really, you know, just taken out hard and, and yeah. neck and neck with other guy. I can't, for, for the life of me, I can't remember who, what his name was, Um but yeah, just that that I just remember last last year watching that race, going, "This is an absolute burn up. This is what cross country is all about." And uh, uh, yeah, I remember just being really excited watching that race. So I think mm-hmm. it just depends on the type of race it is, and uh, you know who who's in the field. Um, and I I don't know. I I haven't watched the the race with the international mixed relay race yet, but I would imagine just having Laura Muir in, in the race would add a generate a, a good bit of excitement um yeah in the field I, as well maybe uh, yeah although i'm not if i'm honest i'm not convinced by the relay format either because to be honest it was i mean laura took the baton with a fairly clear lead and it just went round with her she had no she wasn't really so it was a it was basically a footage of watching laura in a time trial which is fine but you couldn't see any of the other teams so there was limited coverage of the scotland team the scotland junior team the you know the other, um, yeah. You know all the teams in there. What, yeah. So that was. I don't know. It's a wee bit disappointing. I guess with a relay, it's a, maybe it's a cool format when you're there. It's just it's not. The, I don't think it's that TV friendly to be honest. And I think the. I would. I'm also really disappointed that there's no coverage. I don't. I know it's not. You can put it on the BBC, but somehow they should be covering the interdistricts. There should be video coverage of the interdistricts and the national, in my opinion. Uh, well. They used to be. They did, yeah. They used to be, um, and I, I, even, even good old Kyle Gregg got a bit of uh, coverage. <laughs> and I got it. Must have been about oh, when? When did I become a senior? I think I was in like my first, maybe my first year as a as a senior, maybe okay. like twenty years old or something. So we're talking like ten years ago, thirteen years ago. I, I, I don't know, but it was a long time ago. Anyway, so, but, uh, it's, but in ten years, technology's come on enough, and media coverage come on. Enough. You could put that online. You could put it on yeah, the red button. Definitely. And you know, if TRS can provide a live finishing video of the lead of the <laughs> Ribble Valley 10K, Scottish Athletics can provide live coverage of their interdistrict championships, and we'll put the plea out because maybe there's still time for it. February, the National Cross. I mean, let's be quite honest. That's the uh, that would be fantastic. To that, have. Would, that would be pretty good. Just a good old quad bike. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just get somebody hire hire a quad bike. I mean, I'm sure we can get a sponsor. I don't know. It, who who does quad bikes? I don't know. Quad Kawasaki's. Yeah. <laughs> good old yeah. Kawasaki bike on, on the quad bike on the on the course tear tear up Irving cross country course with a quad bike. <laughs> Other quad bikes are available. Yeah, oh, that'd be brilliant. Well, the the t the, it used to be on TV because it was it used to be a combined event, the international field as well as the um the, the district field was a combined event. Um and uh, and yeah, I was in the north team back back when I was a, a lot slower and 
Um, and I, I've already told you the story about you know what what I used to do in terms of training compared to now. Um, I in the in the actual race, <laughs> I was fourth last. And uh, and do you know who was do you know who was the top dog that day? Bekele. No, keep going. I'll give you two more guesses. Haile Jebusasi. One more. Ooh, uh, last one. I don't know. I'm trying to work out. Who you are Paul Turgat. Elliot Kipchoge. Oh wow! Okay, that's cool. How cool is that? That's very cool. I didn't even know. I, I didn't even know I raced him. I hope you've got that footage on a VHS somewhere. Not only do I have the footage, Tom, I've I've got the footage of him going past me on uh, <laughs> lapping me in the race. There was about nice. six or seven laps, I think, and it was only like a five-mile race. That's a claim to fame. No, there was a six-mile race. Um, and, and yeah, I think it was each lap was about six, one one mile a lap or one and a half miles a lap or something. Uh, nice. So so yeah, he absolutely well he passed me. Um I can't remember who else was in the race. There was uh Sergey Lebed, do you remember him? No. Tedesi was there. Zerzeni, Tedesi, uh Henry Sugut from Kenya, a few Kenyans, USA, Australians, uh some of the local lads, uh the UK lads, Andy Jones, um Glenn Trumans, John Newsom as well. He was, the, I think, he was the first, um, the first in the district race. Actually, oh, uh, wow. we had Don Naylor, Steve Cairns. Oh, jeez, it's uh, Jeffrey Lennox. He was, he was still oh, yeah. the West. So, thirteen years later, and he's still, um, still going strong. So, wow, very uh, good. Graham B, Al Anthony, uh, Murray Strains in there. Rob Gilroy, Darren Shinney. Remember Darren Shinney? No, oh, I think so. That from Aberdeen, so he he was in that as well. Uh, is that is that the Rambling Bell? That's the Rambling Bell. Oh yes. Where did you get that from? I've, I have my uh, technology <laughs> means. Jeez. You you ah. Oh. I was enjoying right. that. I was enjoying right. <laughs> looking back on golden memory lane. Looking, yeah, exactly. Oh, you, Craig Mottram's right. in there as well. Right, I'm dragging you back to to 2018, 2019 then. <laughs> So at this race we had the talking was, about uh, two thousand. You know everyone's doing that ten year. Yeah, ten years. Yeah, yeah. We should be doing that for this. We should actually. Yeah, this is what this episode is: is you revisiting ten years ago running at the inter district. <laughs> it was actually like seventeen, thirteen years ago. So. Yeah. Right. Anyway, what I was going to say is, so what on the inter on the inter international relay? Sorry. Tommy Murray was in it as well. <laughs> Rob Russell. Up. Mark Pollard as well. Jeez, oh. Anyway, that, okay, right. Carry 2019, on. we had what was interesting in the relays. Scotland Juniors beat the Scotland Senior Team. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I'm certainly no position to mock international athletes being a lowly club runner, but the, the junior team of Kane Elliott, Aaron Wallace, Joe Ewing, and Sarah Calvert fantastically beat the Scotland Senior Team by one second, which was Adam Craig, Mary Henry, Michael Ferguson, and Steph Pennycook. Oof. So I'm not. That is really impressive. I mean, Kane Elliott. We know he's international class. I mean, he's yeah. a European champion. So these guys are. That's really exciting for Scotland to see a junior team to, to you know to compete with their own senior team. <laughs> was that was that maybe planned though? Was that planned? Right. Let's get the the fastest juniors we've. Well, I mean, I'm not saying any of the guys. Uh, those guys that's aren't strong, slow. That's for that's sure. That's a strong senior team. Adam yeah, Green, yeah. We set yeah. ourselves in. Is in form. You, Michael Ferguson, you, the man you you rightly claim is is heavily 
under you know uh you not you know not thought of highly enough he's such a quality athlete and yeah, then yeah. Steph, Steph Pennycook who's had a strong enough cross country season I think so very surprising what well, what I would say though is it was what was the race was it a kilometer four by fifteen hundred yeah fifteen fifteen hundred meters yeah now you know a fifteen hundred meter cross country race how many fifteen hundred meter cross country races do you get now just uh, just in the seniors the senior defence here because I'm a senior in fact I'm almost a veteran here I was going to say now, you're close to the other end <laughs> the, the juniors have got the added spice of speed versus right. the the seniors who perhaps go the longer they're, they're focused on the, the endurance heavy heavily on the endurance at the moment less yeah. on speed work now I'd imagine the juniors are the, the, the triangle of, of um, training is slightly different to the senior one so that's so the, yeah that's my defense for the senior team but a second and a you know what well, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty tight to be honest but uh, you, you know and anything can happen in these races you know is it was it a tactical race by the seniors or tactical by the juniors and did one of them trip up i we i don't know yeah. and i'm sure the tv cameras don't know because they never covered the, the they didn't cover the back of the they only covered the, the front peg so yeah. who knows um, so anyway, interesting, and I guess okay. I knock, I mock it a wee bit. The really, I guess it's really good. That's eight Scots who've had experience running at an international event. You know, it's televised. Cameras are there. Top athletes. So, so it's good. I think it looked, you know, it looked to be a, a good success. I just think it's, you know, maybe could do with tweaking it a wee bit. I, I hope, hopefully, we'll go down to watch next year. But it was always going to be a hard act to follow Edinburgh as a venue. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Right. Well. Anything else in the district wise we need to chat uh, no, about? I think that's quite. Uh, I think that's that's pretty much covered. I guess we can move on to the roads. Yeah. Uh, what have we got in the roads? I did actually write uh, all this down, didn't I? Where, where did, are we? Yeah. So we've got did some. In, so we've got two of our top Scots have been in action over 10k internationally. That's right. So we had Callum Hawkins and we had Laura. Eilish, Why did I put? Oh God, Jesus, God. I'm having a. I've I've wrote Callum and Laura. I did wonder why you'd written Laura. On Jeez, the, yeah, well, on thanks the show for correcting me. What? Well, thanks. I thought, for that. I, I, I I've, I've already I'd been. It. I've already been ousted on uh, on that review you you put on Facebook. That I, I don't have that, the yeah. results uh, <laughs> loaded in front of me, and here I am. Oh, anyway, so, well, so you start with Callum, and I'll, I'll talk about Eilish then. Yeah. So you, so, you, so Callum smashed. Well, I say he didn't. I don't think he smashed his personal best, but. He did get a personal best in the Valencia 10K in a time of 28.55. So that's his first time under 29 minutes. Now, what I would say is, uh, you know, I think I I don't find that a surprising time by Callum. Um, I think he could get well under 28, to be honest. Um, But it's really good to see Callum back running, fighting fit again. And I think there's a lot more, providing he keeps himself injury free, um, I think we're going to have. I think it's going to be quite exciting for for Callum this season. Um, yeah. You know, from ranging from the 10k to the marathon. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting, an exciting time for the Kilbarkin AAC athlete. Um, I think he's away to head to America for a further block of training, um, yes. and he's got his name down for the London marathon in April again. So we'll, we'll certainly chat about that later on in the show. Um, and yeah, over to you, Tom. So yeah, well I mean yes, yeah, so the other one was on the on the women's side at the Doha 10K. We had Ailish McColgan who also PB'd, so she ran 31:51, uh, 
which is uh, knocking two seconds off her her P, the, her best time. She's PB'd at that race every year, so I'm thinking 2020 is a, Do- a TRS trip to Doha for what looks <laughs> to be a quick race. Hey, that would be a great idea. So she ran that, so that's a really good run from her, 31.51, and it was actually, Ailish announced last week she's taken up, well, she's uh, now on board with ASICS as a sponsor, so she's now uh, sporting ASICS kit, and that was her first run in, uh, in her new ASICS kit and ASICS shoes, so that's... Uh, It'd be interesting to see how she goes this year and what what we see with her. I'm sure we're going to see more, more 10k and beyond as she alluded to on the on the podcast and maybe I've, yeah, looking towards. I imagine the the world champs. So excite another exciting um, year coming up for for a Scottish athlete. Definitely, Tom. Uh, and we also had in a few indoor races as well. Um, some of the Scots were over in America competing. We had Je- Josh Carr uh, over 800 meters and finishing in 1:49 in Seattle. And also a win in the mile race for Chris O'Hare in 3.57. So sub four minute mile on Lucha, beastie. Mm. Speedy, very speedy. Uh, I can't even imagine running pff, running that for 200 metres anymore. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, so yeah, that rounds up the, the road section. Um, we also had a, a couple of other news items, didn't we? Um, we also, well, just... Locally, anyway, there was uh, an event called the BA, the BA, the BA Stores Cross Country, um, which was held in Inch near 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 Aberdeen, actually. So we're just going to report on this race fairly briefly because we did give it a big shout out uh, last year, uh, last week. I apologise. So there was two two events. There was a 10k and there was also uh, was it a 5k or 4k? Um, so yeah, pretty pretty good results. So we had Miles Edwards who won the race, and second was Ben Ward run beer, a favourite Instagrammer, and third was Sam Milton. Now I don't have the results in front of me, um, so apologies, Kelsey Priest. Because I know the reason I don't have them in front of me because I know Tom's about to tell me the women's side. So I well on the on the the men's Got side. Got that one quite well, didn't he? I did. You didn't do so. It was actually relatively. Clear on the on the men's side, Miles twenty eight fifty five, Ben Ward thirty fifteen, and Sam Milton thirty twenty one, tight in second third there. On the women's side, we had first female was Rachel Little of uh, Inch Trail Runners in thirty eight fifty one. Second was Abigail Mason D side Runners in thirty nine fifty nine, and in third place Julie Hoyle JSK uh, in forty thirty eight. So. Well done to them. Uh, it looks to be quite. Uh, that was an 8k. It looks to be a well-attended race. To, well, you know, for for a local one. On the 5k, it was won by on the men's side Matthew Daly, who uh, is a, a Kyle Gregg athlete, JSK, uh, 2054. Second place Martin Bain, Moray Roadrunners in 21:24, and in third place Michael Fletcher, also JSK in 22:10. I think Matthew, um, he's, he's in the results of JSK, but he's actually Edinburgh Uni, I understand. And on the women's side, Julie Hoyle was first, so she looks like she doubled. She did 24 for 17. Second place in the women's side, Amanda Stewart, JSK in 26.31. And in third place, Lauren Knowles in 27 flat. Wow. So, yeah, so small but uh, small field, but the feedback I heard from guys who ran it was that it's it's a nice wee course and hopefully it will come back. Definitely. Uh, I, think it's de- I think just to, briefly, Tom, What's your views on cross country? Do you think it's well participated, or do you think we should do 
people should be getting involved in cross country more. I think it's. I think we we did chat about this before. Yeah. But it, it's think... mainly club run. It's mainly for club athletes. And, and yeah. It's very difficult if you're not in a club to run cross country. Absolutely, and I think that's one of the beauties of cross country is that it's not. And this is maybe I'm going to piss some people off here, but this it's not. You know, you don't have anyone dressed up with a fridge on their back cross country <laughs> you know it's and there's no it, it's really it's pure rate it's pure raw racing no one is ever going to say to you what time did you run at the ba stores 8k you know it's a it's what position were you I, 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 I disagree i think people still do ask that question oh what time did you do that uh that ultra that 100k ultra I'm talking about cross country here. I did it in 20 hours, but then same with cross country. It's the same principle. Like you can't uh, measure. Like people, people will ask that question, but they're they're naive to. I, I disagree. They're, they're, they're naive that they they think that I disagree cross country is the same as road. But ultra, no, but ultra people ask because it's impressive that you've been out for that long. It, you know, and it is impressive, and that it's the only way people can get any kind of logic around you're doing an 80 mile race that ah, is fair enough. different whereas i think cross country someone will ask how far it is i really and even the time i couldn't tell you what my time is nah. i have no idea what i ran at these districts in time yeah but i could tell you i was 38 yeah and, and, like that. and the, the good thing is the only reason the time's there is to compare it against everyone else now a prime yeah. example right? i'm still looking at this uh i'm still looking back 13 years ago my time for that in the district race was 34.14, right? And do you know what Kipchoge's was? I have no idea. 27 minutes. Wow. Okay. How far was that? 10k? 8k? Yeah, I don't know. I think it was 10k. Even if, and, it, was eight, even if it was 12k. Jesus. That's and that's, and that's another thing about the cross country, which is random. Now, that BA Stores race, that was advertised as a 4k. It came in at five and a half. Did it? What about yeah. the 10k? What was that? Do you know? I've, well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, nah. I think it was an 8k in the end, but oh. whether that's what it came in at. But I think that's the point. The course is always different. The conditions are different. You know, a road a road run is a road run. Um, but cross country, I think it, it forms a really good part of your winter training. And if you're, and I'm, you know, I'm a wee bit frustrated. I'm going to, I've got the national, but I'm, I'm not going to run this weekend East League, unfortunately. And uh, because of, you know, both you and I were doing spot marathons, we didn't really get into cross country until the East District. But if you've got, if you're not really doing a, an autumn marathon and you've got nothing till spring, you can really go, you know, race regularly through the winter and cross country. And it's not that detrimental because on a Saturday, you can still get your long run in. You don't have to taper for all these cross countries. So you can still get a couple of sessions of the week. So I think there's, I think it can form a really good part of a club runner's training. But again, you don't get a medal at the end of a cross country. So the so again, if this is a poor thing to say, but hobby joggers aren't going to go because you're not getting a medal. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It is. It's, it's, it's a raw, you're right, it is a raw sport. Um, it's hard as well. I mean, you know, you've, you, you've, I think I've mentioned this before, but you've got everyone coming together, different um, disciplines of running and it's hard work from the the the, 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 day, oh, yeah. the time the gun goes off. But um, yeah, no, it? it's, it's enjoyable. One, one interesting thing on cross country, a few years ago, and I think you and I have spoken about this before and are both big advocates of it, there was a move to try and get, or early discussions to try and get cross country included as a winter Olympic sport. That would be amazing. 
That would be fantastic to introduce an athletics event at the Winter Olympics. I think that would be, as a running fan, of course, we would all be over the moon by it. But can you imagine if someone like Moore, Kipchoge, you know, big names were to get involved in that because they wanted to get an Olympic medal? It would be, I think it could be massive. But the hosting, the hosting countries do get the opportunity to decide if they want to add another event. Oh, really? Into the games, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think that could be the case in the Summer Olympics, but um, and I'm sure it's the same for the Winter Olympics as well, but that would be brilliant. I, I think it would it would definitely raise the profile of cross-country running. What we need to do is, you and I need to, TRS need to front a campaign to make this happen, and we need to get an expert, like someone, you know, real credentials, like I'm thinking Alex Jackson on yes. board to push <laughs> yeah. this. We'll, have our, we we'll all race in the Olympic tartan running shorts and the Olympic rings running vest. Absolutely. Speaking of tartan running shorts, I never mentioned this to you before we got on, but you might, well, you might, you probably seen the email in the inbox. We've got a lead on procuring tartan running shorts now, so they might be coming our way. Oh, fingers crossed! Now, fingers crossed. We're bringing yeah, them back. We 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 are. I did I did see the the, the email in the sent items box there. Uh, Fingers crossed you get a reply. No, we got we got we got a reply. Did we? Yeah, oh, so right. I spoke I spoke to the guy on the phone today. Oh, oh you so, kept yeah. that quiet. Yeah, I meant to mention oh. you before, so yeah, so we just need uh anyway, so listeners, stay tuned in the next couple of weeks we'll we'll we we'll hopefully we'll be able to do something about this. Well, off off air we'll uh, offline we'll speak about the the chat you had then, Tom. Yeah. I'm so, awful yeah, excited. Exciting. Brilliant. Exciting right. times. And and on to another exciting um topic. Let's get on to the interview with Dion Leonard. So, again, yeah. really grateful to have him on the show. And, uh, yeah, uh, talking about him as an ultra runner, an extreme ultra runner, um, and also chatting about um, his book as well and the story about uh, the, the the dog and the, the dog that he, he, he found when he was, he was running in the Gobi Desert. And it's called Finding Gobi. So here it goes. Okay, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We've got Dion Leonard on the show um, to chat about just uh, firstly him as an ultra runner himself and also he's um, the author of the book Finding Gobi um, that he's he's written himself. And uh, yeah, welcome Dion, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, hi to all the people out there listening. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, so just a little bit about you Dion, um, if you don't mind. Well, I celebrated my 44th birthday yesterday. Uh, Happy birthday. January, so thank you. <laughs> Getting older now. Um, been living in Edinburgh for the past five years. Just over the last sort of six months, I've been sort of spending some time in Chamonix in France as well. But um, yeah, spent the last five years in Edinburgh and before that sort of 10 years in Manchester and London. So I'm Australian born, but I've been out in the UK for so long now, I feel more British than Australian, to be honest, um, <laughs> except except when it comes to sport, of course, I, I've still got the Australian, Australian colours in my blood there. <laughs> I, I played a lot of cricket and uh, grass hockey, ground hockey, if you'd like to call that. In, in my younger days, I was also um, like very competitive, very good golfer as well, um, and then that sort of kept me fit as, as a young lad but going into my 20s I then sort of developed a, a taste for alcohol and food and uh, cigarettes <laughs> and became massively overweight 
I think I was around 50 kilos heavier than I am today, um, which wow, which is incredible. which is if you if you put it into sort of Gobi the dog size, that's sort of five of her, so it's a lot of weight to be carrying. Oh yeah, cheers. Um, so I was I was terribly unfit, and uh, I needed to make a lifestyle change, and and that's when I sort of started to to get into running. Brilliant. And so was that, so yeah, this, was that the main reason that you started to run was just because you were kind of, I suppose, living the sedentary lifestyle, um, was, and how did you get into running? Did you, did you start, did you go straight into ultra running or did you, did you slowly build into it into 5Ks or couch to 5K, so to speak, or how, how did that all take place? Well, having that sort of, um, love for alcohol i was drunk one evening and uh, a friend of mine actually bet me that he could beat me in a half marathon race and it was a half marathon in wilmslow in manchester right okay yeah so i was so i was pretty drunk and i thought no there's no chance he could beat me i'm still this competitive young fit guy that i was that you know that i explained before but uh, actually i knew i wasn't inside my mind i was uh, so I know I needed to make the change, and this was a really good opportunity to use that sort of competitive drive to make me want to make the change. So I agreed to the bet, and I was so drunk I actually agreed to also give him five minutes head start as well. So, uh, which was a pretty pretty ballsy sort of move because I hadn't ever really run anywhere over five kilometres before, let alone a half marathon. So. Uh, the next day I woke up pretty hungover and remember starting to train and uh, some of those first couple of weeks trying to get fit and trying to run around the block and two blocks and further and further were some of the toughest running I've ever done. So I pushed on and pushed on, driven by the fact that I wanted to beat my friend and then race day came and uh, I actually beat him by more than the five minutes i forget how much it was now but i think um, according a, according to the book it was it was about eight minutes i, I think um i think <laughs> i think that's yeah that that sounds right actually yeah, so yeah. i didn't i didn't want to say it was more than what it, what it was i thought it was eight minutes yeah. as well so Brilliant. which was uh, which was incredible and uh, it was really the start of me then thinking at the end of the race i'd finally achieved something and also i felt good about myself and I looked at myself in the mirror and thought, you know, I am starting to, to look fitter and look better and feel healthier. So what's next? Yeah, brilliant. Well, I, I think as well, I mean, your first, the first marathon, it was like 135 for, not marathon, uh, half marathon. And I think that's incredible, incredible debut as well, given that you, you led that lifestyle and it's definitely inspirational to, to see what you, you're now doing. And so kind of lead going, you know, going forward at, you know, a few more years, um, you started going into to ultras. So what what kind of made you want to start doing ultra marathons instead of just sticking to the shorter distances? Well, I only did that half marathon. And then just quickly, I'll tell you a story. I went to do my first marathon, which was uh, Marathon de Medoc. Oh, yeah. That's it, a wine one, isn't it? it? That's the wine one. So, <laughs> again, you know, I used my previous skills of eating and drinking and put to the test running the marathon in Bordeaux there, you know, dressed up. I was dressed up as a pig as, as you had to dress up as an animal this year. Oh, and every mile you, you get to eat or drink your, your way through the vineyards. And, uh, you know, by the time you've done 26 miles, you're you're pretty full of every sort of food and, and lots of red wine. And it's starting to get to like 30 degrees during the afternoon as well. And, uh, it all starts to play a bit of a mix inside your stomach as well, so you're pretty keen to get to the finish line. Um, so that was that was my sort of first marathon in that same year. 
Oh, wow. And towards, towards the end of the year, I bought my wife a book and uh, it was a book for her birthday. And it was like the world's toughest endurance challenges. Okay. And I joke, yeah, I jokingly said to her, because she'd been running for a little while, she'd done a couple of marathons by this stage. So I jokingly said to her, now that I'm this big sort of marathon runner, I'd done one and I'd done a half marathon. I thought I, I could do any challenge out there. So I said to her, whatever page you open up to is, is the event or challenge that we'll go and do and we'll go and do it together. Yeah. So she, she she opened up the book and there's everything in there from you know crazy uh, races across the desert to uh, canoe races to mountain bike races in Nepal and cool. all the toughest things that you can think of. Unbelievable, yeah. cool book. Um, she opens the book up to a race called the Kalahari Extreme 250-kilometer marathon, which is in South Africa across the Kalahari Desert. And it's a six-stage, seven-day multi-stage race where you have to carry all of your food and kit to survive the week as well. And she looked at me and she told me all of this and I literally, my law, my jaw was dropping on the floor and I'm thinking, <laughs> there is no way I'm going to do this. And I'm starting to think, how can I get out of this? How can I get her to change her mind? Um, but she was, <laughs> she was dead set, certain that this is what she wanted to do and I'd made her a promise and I wasn't going to, you know, backtrack on it. So... That's what we did. But before the day was out, she'd already signed us both up to the race and we, we were sort of on our way to, to go to South Africa to run this you know, ridiculously long event, which neither of us had ever done before. Wow. And, and not only did you, did you compete in that race, you've also, you also came sixth, second and you won it in 2017. Is that, is that the case? Yeah. Wow. So the, the race has become really quite special to me and I, I went back the third the third time and finally won the race and I, I nearly went close in uh, 16 winning it as well yeah. Um, but yeah it's been something for me that I, when I go back there now and I see the changes that I've made as a runner and how I've improved and how now I'm a competitive runner yeah. from going to that race back in 13 the, I've come a long way and it, it means a lot to me to go back out there and I feel a sort of special bond with the desert there as well so I've become used to running in the desert and one of the reasons is I grew up in central Queensland in Australia where it's very hot and uh, we would get sent home from school if the temperature reached 40 degrees during the day, which was quite a normal occurrence during summer. And Of course, no one would go home. Everyone would go out riding their bikes or playing cricket or running around. And uh, So, yeah, having that heat training as a youngster, I think, sort of come back to help me now as as an endurance runner. Yeah. And what you know, other than the you know the, the, the kind of extremes of, of desert racing, what's it what what is it like to to run that that distance and doing kind of multi stage desert races? Um, you know, what what's the sort of barriers you have to overcome, um, or or even the types of training you have to? I mean, obviously you 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 kind of living between Edinburgh and Chamonix, but and you've you've got that you know as you've already mentioned, you've you've got that kind of background and you've lived in you've, you were raised in australia and um it must be pretty difficult to to run in that heat though what, what's it like and how do you how do you you know overcome that yeah that's always been one of the big challenges that i've tried to um knock down the barriers on if you like i set up in my spare room a treadmill and heaters and uh I've got some industrial size heaters and I closed all the windows down and put up this insulation to try and make it as hot as I can. 
and it can reach temperatures close to 40 degrees in there. Oh, jeez. So yeah, that would help a lot, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, very, very mind-numbing experience to be on a treadmill <laughs> to train hours, hours a day, uh, especially after you've done a day's work or before a day's work, and to try and keep the regime up. But I always used to do that four to six weeks out from a race to try and at least condition myself as well as possible. Uh, sometimes I could afford to go to the university in Edinburgh as well and also use their facilities. They probably had proper heat heat lamps, etc. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would help yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that helps as well. But, you know, some of these guys that I'm competing against, they, they live in Morocco or they live out in, in other deserts or other areas of the world where it's hot all of the time. And so it, sometimes it can take me a day to really hit the ground running before I sort of kick into gear. Yeah, um, yeah I think... Multi-stage racing is quite a quite a unique experience because you've you've got to run quickly, you've got to recover quickly, you've got to get up the next day and do it all again as well. And you can have anything go wrong from whether it's your feet or your body or your mind because the race really isn't just a physical challenge, it's a mental challenge. But you can also get sick quite quickly because you're not showering, your toilet facilities aren't, uh, aren't the standard that you'd expect because they're, they're temporary, etc. Yeah. So you're feeling pretty dirty and unclean by the end of the week and uh, it's very easy to, to struggle and people do struggle. And then, of course, during the race, you're running across extreme conditions of sand, dunes, technical aspects in 40 to 50 degree heat, carrying a bag of six to seven kilos plus, some people have 10 kilo bags, and it all starts to to weigh up on you and weigh up on your mind as well as to why you're out there. But, you know, you cross the finish line and uh, the first thing you think is, I'm never doing that again. And within an hour or two later, you're thinking, what am magnificent achievement that was and how much have you learned about yourself what can you change about yourself going forward um and, and you want to sign up again to do it yeah brilliant one one thing that uh, you know read, reading your book and you know a, a bit about you um I, and i think this is this is a probably apt for a, a number of people um and, and correct me if i'm wrong um the competitive your fit your your what's the maybe well i'll ask you this question but the way i got it was um you're very competitive, but the running aspect, going and going for runs, is not as enjoyable as the competitive nature of it. Is that still the case? Are you are you enjoying going out for runs, or or how how's how does it fit in now? Uh, you know, obviously you've got Gobi now, uh, the dog, so <laughs> <laughs> probably helps helps your training a little bit too. Um, yeah, I think that's that's uh, something that I've really struggled with is the enjoyment of running is not where you would expect it to be. I, I do it because I am competitive and, and relatively good at it. Yeah. So that, that's driven me on. Um, uh, if I explain to the listeners, like in 2016, I was running race across the Gobi Desert when a little stray dog started to run with me and that her or she would later be known as Gobi and she, she would run 77 miles of the 155-mile race and, again, it was a multi-stage race where I carried all of the food and kit to survive that was probably the first time ever when I was out there running with this little stray dog next to me that I was starting to bond and, and uh, to care for that I really enjoyed running because I could look down at this little dog and see the enjoyment and the smile on her face and just how driven she was to stay with me and to run with me and, and to run fast together, you know, uh, that I, I really it, – it was probably the first time running that it put a smile on my face. It took – 
took away the thought of the competitiveness and always in my mind I'm thinking about times or strategies or people around me or what I'm going to do at the next checkpoint. Whereas with Gobi there, it was it was completely different. It was more about her and the fun I was having with her. And I think from that race, I've probably got more enjoyment out of the running aspect. Um, but everything I do is competitive, so I've always, I'm probably never going to get rid of that aspect. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Well, you've you've got, that was going to be yeah. my next question. It, it kind of you know segues into um, the Gobi Desert two hundred fifty k race and. Not only did you did you find Gobi there, um, but you you also did pretty well in in terms of your your placing as well. So that just to, just to correct me, when you ran the Gobi Desert, we what position were you there? Was it second that day, that year? Was it? I finished second there, yeah. and I nearly didn't even go to that race. I'd been injured for quite some time beforehand, and I'd worked a lot with uh, Donny Campbell, who's very very uh, famous Scottish runner and coach yeah. to sort of rehabilitate my uh, injury and to get me stronger and to get me ready for the race. And we were pretty confident that I could do well, but I'd been out of sort of competitive running for over six months by this stage that I wasn't even sure if I wanted to go, even though I'd paid the money to go. I yeah. was at the last minute thinking, should I even bother? Maybe I'm finished as a runner. And Little did I know that that whole race would change my life, it would change Gobi's life, and I would have an extremely uh, eventful race from many other aspects as well. Yes, I was competitive, but um, I sacrificed winning the race to help uh, the guy that I was actually competing against to save his life, and um, yeah. it was it was of course something that you would you know I didn't even think of at the time but um yeah the the race seemed to have everything for me in it and uh, it pushed me on so many different levels and I walked away not winning the race but but really learning a lot of, more about myself and and winning Gobi uh from it all was was the best thing ever anyway yeah brilliant well um I, I'm gonna plug this this plug book this, as this book. later on but uh with, you know without going into too much detail about the book so I want people to read it because it's a fascinating book um, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't so easy. Obviously, you you, you know, Gobi. What kind of? It's a mix. We, we're not sure what kind of dog it is, but is is it a mix of different breeds? Um, is that that the case? Is that a bit of a terrier and yeah. a Chihuahua and something else. Yeah, it's, it's it's a it's anyone's guess, but the vets have kind of indicated they did some operations on her after um, afterwards. If some th- some further things went on, which are, which are in the book, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they think sort of Chihuahua Shih Tzu mix is probably the most likely. I know, I know we as UK people sort of see her as bits of maybe Border Terrier, but in Northwest China there, there isn't too much Border Terrier up there. So yeah. who knows? Who, who knows? knows what she is. <laughs> yeah, it was it was incredible. This little stray dog came out of nowhere and ran four stages of the race, and uh, I think. Uh, as I said, just seeing the determination on her wanting to run every day was was amazing, and it was tough for humans out there, let alone this little dog, to be to be running the race. I, I think it's incredible, you know, like seventy seven miles Gobi ran for, and um, it's jeez. <laughs> so what about what about in the present? Does does Gobi still go out for runs of year? How how long would you would Gobi last uh, these days, or would she go on forever? She would go on forever, but we really try and minimise what she does because of the couple of operations yeah. that she needed. Yeah. And those operations she needed weren't because she ran the 77 miles in the desert, just to clarify yeah. that to the listeners. But she she loves the 5K park run down there at Portobello, and she's 
she she goes flat out on the first lap. My wife usually takes her down there, and the first lap she goes super quick, and then the second and the third laps, etc. She sort of chills out. She she gets a drink and she runs with other people and she gets pats from all of the, <laughs> the volunteers. And so she she kind of loves the the atmosphere of a race, but she's very chilled out and mellowed now. And I think she knows she's run for what she's got and yeah. wanted a life, and she's happy and. We don't make her do anything else, and we did a run one day, a five-kilometer race. It was uh, it was actually a jog with Gobi Day, and it was for the Edinburgh Dog and Cat Home, raising funds for them. And if we have Gobi running somewhere, it will only be for a reason to to raise money or to do something for yeah. a charity, not not for any other purpose. And that's that's something that you know is is another inspiring story about the whole you know the whole thing um, is. You know how much how much money and you've raised for for charity. For, you know, with with you know all the all the charities that you're working with, based on what Gobi's done, and uh, I think it's you know certainly inspirational and um, yeah, heaps of heaps of uh, you know thousands of pounds and uh, yeah, really inspiring oh, stuff. Ten, ten, tens and twenties and thirties of thousands <laughs> now. It's really uh, it's really inc- incredible. Um, probably probably over fifty thousand now in total, and that's amazing. We've <laughs> We always wanted to make sure that we use Gobi's story and the the media presence that we had to actually drive that um, connection to people with shelters and rescue homes, etc. To to either give them money, give them food, give them warm bedding, or, or to go down and pick a pick out a dog to take home as well for the family. So we we get messages every day of someone connecting with the story, and then also someone you know paying it forward as well and. Uh, it's it's great to see that we've been able to help a little bit. Yeah, de- definitely. So in terms of you know the media and um, I don't know how much you can reveal, and uh, but I, I I don't know if this is still the case. Is there a film going to be coming out um, about finding Gobi? Is that is that still on the cards or is it? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Gobi's going to be on the big screen. Wow. We're hoping that that will be a two thousand and twenty or two thousand twenty one release. So uh, we've had an agreement with 20th century fox for just on nearly two years now and they're in the process of making things happen and probably over the last sort of three to four months things have happened quite quickly sort of behind the scenes with directors and producers and putting people in place to write the screenplay from the book etc so we we can't really share anything more than that but we know that things are that you know the movie's really seen as a, as a big priority for fox to make so we're to see Gobi on the big screen would uh, would just be incredible. To think of where she's come from, the the dingy dog she was to sort of the red carpet of Hollywood is is amazing. That is yeah, it's incredible. And what uh, you know, just a message to the listeners: have a have a look in uh, the cutest dog you'll ever see. And I think if I was running in the Gobi Desert, I would probably want to pick it up as well and <laughs> run along with it and and I think in there was you know there were certain times in the race that you you were doing that um as well obviously because of the the river crossings and the the bar the gates and all that kind of stuff and uh yeah, just, yeah. Just... but at, at, at first I just thought she was this pesky stinking little dog that <laughs> yeah was kind of bugging me actually because I wanted to sort of race and she was jumping on my shoes and uh, chasing me and carrying on, etc. And, of course, I'm there still with that competitive mindset to yeah. how I was going to that stage and thinking about the day ahead. And, yeah, here's this little dog sort of annoying me. But, um, 
Yeah, little did I know that I would uh, fall in love with her and make her a promise to bring her bring her back to the UK. Yeah, brilliant. That's a, that's kind of segues into another uh, question. I, I know you've mentioned it in the book. Um, you tell us about kind of the stresses and the strains of just trying to bring Gobi back, and also how how Gobi went missing. And uh, just in a nutshell, can you give a, give the listeners a short brief of kind of how things panned out in in that respect? Yeah, so I, I made that promise to Gobi and wanted to give her a better life and I'd had a very difficult childhood as well and uh, I wanted to make sure, well, I, I kind of wanted to be the person for Gobi that I think I needed when I was younger, someone to step up and to help you out of a horrible situation. Yeah. So Gobi's sort of future was a big big part of what I wanted to make better and I had to go back after the race had finished straight away. I'm, I'd already had my flights booked, et cetera, and you know, you can't just take a dog out of China that quickly. So I, yeah. I flew back to Edinburgh and uh, I started a crowdfunding page to, to get some support to, to bring Gobi home. And we had all the money in place. The story went all around the world, all throughout the press. It, it went crazy about this heartwarming and inspiring story of me and Gobi running this crazy race together and then me making that promise to bring her home. And it was it was all looking great until one day I received a phone call to say that she went missing. Oh. And... I was, yeah, I was kind of torn between what do I do? Was it just a one-off experience with, with Gobi in the desert and I, I forget about her and leave her and, you know, she'll be fine out there somewhere. Um, she was being looked after and, and, she, and she ran away. And um, she ran away in a city. So I kind of thought that's not good enough to just leave it at that. She was my buddy. I'd made a promise to her and I felt so connected to her. It was it was strange. It was pulling me, pulling me back and... That's what I decided to do. I flew all the way back out to China, didn't know anyone, didn't speak the language, and set up a search and volunteer to to find her. And we searched day and night, day and night, and it started off with one person, and it went into hundreds and hundreds of people searching for her. And uh, it was a real roller coaster ride of uh, good people helping us, bad people doing bad things and not wanting to help us. And the government got involved, the Chinese government, and uh, it, it just became a real um battle against finding her and i basically gave up hope until one night i received a phone call to say i think we found your dog and uh yeah i went out to this family's home and uh, lo and behold Gobi was there and uh, it was you know it was probably the best day of my life to see her running across the living room and up into my arms and realizing that we'd found her yeah, um, that's that's the very quick version. And uh, one of the great things was when 20th Century Fox rang me, they said, oh, "We couldn't have written this story. It's amazing. There's there's so much more to it." So, but that's a that's a quick version of the events that transpired after the race. So, I, I kind of like to say it was my most difficult race yet. Was the race to find Kobe in in China? Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that, no, it's such an inspiring story, and you tell it so well in the in the book as well. So yeah, definitely encourage everyone to to have a read over, read through it, and yeah, really, really, I mean, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't write it any better if you tried. You know, it's a fictional story. It's you know, it's <laughs> exactly, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think as as we speak, uh, yesterday was your birthday, and and it was also the anniversary that Gobi arrived in the UK from China for the first time. Um, that's right it's a two year anniversary yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so it's uh, it's hopefully it's been a, a good week for you um, so in terms of in, in, in terms of the, the week and in, in the year ahead um, kind of going back into your own ultra running and performances and, and targets and goals what, what have you got coming up for the next year 
Well, I've kind of started to go down a path of running 200-mile races, which is uh, which is kind of new. There's uh, there's a couple of around. There's uh, three or four in the U.S., and I, I ran a series last year called the Triple Crown Series, and it's three 200-miles, one around the Cascade Mountains in Washington State, the second one around Lake Tahoe, and the third one is 240 miles, no less, across the Moab Desert. And yeah. the three-race series is run across, I think it's around nine weeks in total, and each race you've got around 105 hours to complete, and you've got checkpoints, etc., where they'll give you food and drink and they'll look after you. Um, but it's it's a it's a full on race, and uh, there's hundreds and hundreds of people racing either each event or the Triple Crown series. There was around 65, I think, of us that started that series to do all three. Okay. And for me, it was the first time I'd ever run that distance of 200 miles. Right. Previously, I'd only ran two 100 miles, um, besides the multi stage races, but two 100 miles nonstop. Uh, so to do three 200 miles nonstop was quite a big quite a big goal and uh, something that I set out to do, raising money for um, Edmund Dog and Cat Home as well as the Little Adoption Shelter in China. So mm-hmm. it was a, there was a good purpose for me to do this races as well. And, yeah, I ended up finishing that series second overall and I had a couple of top ten finishes uh, at each of the individual races as well, which was great considering a lot of the people that were running the races weren't doing the whole Triple Crown series. I was still competing even though I'd done 200 miles maybe three weeks before. That's uh, not much recovery at all, really. You know, just, uh, no, yeah. uh, and very tough conditions, you know, altitude, mountains, climbing, heat, um, bad feet, bad body, you know, things started to give up. I'm 40-odd years old, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> so by the time I finished Moab 240 miles nonstop, I was, I was pretty keen to have a good break, but... I received an invitation to go to the first 200-mile race in Western Australia called the Delirious West, and that's in February. Okay. Yeah, so my training sort of starts today after birthday celebrations to (laughs) to try and race to get fit again. And, uh, you know, after Christmas and everything, there's always a few pounds there to shift, and I need to to start getting getting ready. But that's going to be great to be part of this inaugural event in Australia. It'll be my first time actually racing in australia as well so i'm looking forward to that brilliant yeah it's, so yeah I, th- I think you know you touched on it that you know 200 mile or 200 mile races it's it's kind of the new it's the new uh, 100 miles the, the, the very 100 mile races in america the u.s are very popular and um and i think it's it's now an an, an increasing trend that it's the 200 miles to go for now so um so yeah i I've, yeah. I, I just can't I, I can't get over running 200 miles i, I, I don't know how it, how on earth you would do it but <laughs> it's, it's it's phenomenal how big they've become in the us and they're taking the us by storm and you know the big runners like the courtney DeWalters of the world are going to these events and and smashing records etc uh, so they've only been they've been around in the US I think uh, three or four years maybe maybe Tahoe has been around for five years one of them's been around for a little while but yeah the numbers are increasing year on year they're selling out for all of the events and people are now just wanting to see how far they can push themselves and challenge themselves and now I've done 200 miles I also think you know what's next can I do a 500 mile race which is apparently one of the things that someone's you know thinking about doing in the US and it's like where where does it all stop oh but god yeah. the, ne- the next miles. you know it there'll be Land's End to John the Groats race 
Exactly. <laughs> if, that, if that doesn't exist already, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't want to organise that one. I think it'd be many, many uh, health and safety um, considerations yeah. to think about. That, there. that probably wouldn't be the most exciting races down the motorway oh, at God, times, no. what it's those yeah. eight roads. So. But <laughs> well, the, the, this was a, a great experience and adventure and a great series to be involved with and uh, everything from the, the race director's point of view and... Uh, uh, looking after people was incredible and you know the the aid stations would have everything from hamburgers to quesadillas um all of the food that you could think of like hot food made to order as you came in and uh it, it certainly was for me not having a full crew at all of the races was great to have all of that support and i was so so happy and proud to sort of finish that series and to know you can really push yourself further than you think if you, if you want to and it was yeah, it made my made me change a lot of the th- sort of thoughts about what I wanted to do going forward, running wise. Yeah, I think also as well, you know, just from an outside perspective, you know, you're you're 43, um, and you know, you 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 haven't been, you know, you've you've kind kind of come to the the running scene a little bit later. There's probably you've still probably got a, a good few more years of of um, improvements to make. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of guys at the moment, that, you know, certainly in the ultra scene, you. Your endurance is almost never ending, um, so I, I don't, I, you know, I think you, you know it's, it's really it's exciting to hear that you've got another good season lined up, and I'm sure there'll, there'll be many more seasons to come as well. So, brilliant. I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, the only reason I'm saying that is I, I want to know how you feel. I'm what my 33, so I'm what 10 years younger than you. Um, so I'm hoping I've got another 10 years at least in me too. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of trial running as well is you're not panning the pavement so much and hitting the roads and I think things are a lot easier on your joints and your body and if you're doing proper trial running in the mountains etc then you're you're building that core strength as well which helps you to run longer so uh, in terms of age so I think I am a little bit lucky that I started late and I have a fresh body for it so I I hope to, to put in a couple more years of competing and I don't think you'll see me running out there if I'm not competing in the top ten, etc. Uh, at events, yeah. but you never know. You never, you never know. And okay, well, what, what about? I've just got one other uh, question I was going to ask you. So, if, in terms of, uh, well, actually, not one of our questions. It's actually a number of fartlet questions. Um, so I'll I'll fire through through them. Um, so hopefully. Yeah, take your time. Uh, so, you know, one one word answers is absolutely fine there. Uh, so, favourite okay. running race? Uh, Marathon de Sable. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're a beer drinker. Favourite, but well, you said you had a few beers. So, favourite beer? Uh, Qingdao. Rest day or recovery run? Uh, always rest day. <laughs> Pump up song. Uh, like a bit of Calvin Harris. Okay. Mountains okay. or ultra? Uh, sorry, mountains or desert? Desert. Desert. Thought so. <laughs> Favourite movie? So. Uh, Rocky. Uh, I, I, I did see that. That was in your, your book as well, wasn't it? Uh, love, love dog, yeah. yeah. What about canny cross race or a pure running race? Uh, probably a pure running race. Yeah, okay. Have you ever done a canny cross race before? No, we 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 didn't do it with Gaby. I didn't want it to to sort of go down that track with her. Yeah. 
Um, but it would have been interesting to see because she's so competitive and she's so quick. She's so capable of doing like six minute miles and pumping it out. Oh, really? I think she would have loved to. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we never, we never did that. And maybe, maybe one day we'll go and do it. Yeah. I've never done it before, but I've I've always been interested to know, you know, what, what kind of pace you can go if you've got a really strong, fast dog. Um, because some of the, I've noticed some of the actual, you know, some of the results you get and the times that they can do, they're like 13 minute 5Ks and their PBs are like 16 minutes. And you think, what? Yeah. <laughs> Must, There's it, definitely a, even from a little dog like Gobi, she's, she can give you a bit of, a uh, bit of sort of performance with, with pulling you along, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. What about um, pre-race meal? Uh, steak. Okay. Um, I I do like um yeah I do like steak and I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask in regarding food wise but I love Chinese food now yeah. as well so I must say as well you know the distances that you you're doing you know you you having you're probably having meals while you're running as well <laughs> no doubt so, <laughs> yes yeah, yeah what about favorite distance uh two hundred to new hundred okay okay uh, favorite shoe. Uh, Sacconi. Okay. Edinburgh or Chamonix? Well, that's a very difficult question. They've both got their benefits. Okay. And, yeah, Chamonix for summer. I like Edinburgh as well, though, for the uh, for the party, the Hogmanay scene, and yeah, everything else that, yeah. that happened. Great city. Brilliant. Uh, Favourite training session? Uh, favorite training session i i don't know i i, I probably like to do uh, a good long run in the mountains it's something that i'm improving on so i'm enjoying that more and more and i'm enjoying not having that edinburgh wind cutting through me here in Chamonix. So. <laughs> oh, yeah so yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's probably something that at the moment I'm, I'm enjoying being being in the mountains okay uh running running hero Running hero, that is a good question. Actually, you can say your wife uh, if you want. Goby, <laughs> Goby, yes. It didn't have to be a human. <laughs> um, favorite place to run? Favorite place to run. I think uh, I really enjoyed running through the Moab Desert. I'm looking forward to doing some more races in the US this year. I'm doing Western States and Leadville. And some of the more iconic Grand Slam races there, the hundred mile races. So, I think that will be my. I can see Western States going to be right up there when I finish that. Hopefully, yeah, brilliant. Okay, so another a couple other questions. Beer, have you have you heard of the beer mile before? Yeah, yeah. So we all we always ask our interviewees um, what they think their beer mile time would be. So. Essentially, it's you, you, you down a pint, you run a lap, you, you, and you, you do that four times, and you, you drink four pints. Um, it probably, you know, a pint per, per lap, essentially. So, what what I don't know how quick a beer drinker you are. So, it's uh, what what sort of time do you think you could do for that? Um, I'm not the quickest drinker of a pint, actually. Okay, I can drink of them that's that's probably a benefit but i'm not yeah. the quickest scholar so i, th- I think our top prob- our top guys said he could do it and uh, the only reason we're saying it we're, we're planning and doing one later on in the in the year but uh <laughs> we we're kind of wanting to to line up what everyone thinks they're gonna do uh <laughs> so i think six six minutes 20 is the the the, 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 no, the best so I, far yeah 
argued 10 minutes, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm about brilliant. Um, all right, so that's that's mainly the other questions. A couple other questions I was going to ask you was, um, obviously, uh, yeah, you're, you're just about your book. Um, so if you, how can we... If we, if the listeners want to find out how to get in or how to read your book, how do they do it? Yeah, uh, thanks. So the books are available everywhere. It's available in Waterstones, Tesco, um, all good bookstores. Edinburgh Bookshop in uh, Edinburgh obviously is is a great su- supplier as well. It's also online through Amazon. It's uh, it's a Sunday Times bestseller. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's now in thirteen languages, which is which is crazy. Uh, so it's. It's available everywhere, and uh, I hope that the listeners enjoy it as much as uh, as much as you you've said as well. Yeah, definitely. You've also got um, I, n- I noticed recently and, uh, you've got you've got a cat, haven't you? I do have a yeah, cat, Lara, and, and, and you've got yeah. So you've, is it is it called Finding Lara? Is that right? No. So the new book I've written is a fiction book. It's called Lara, the Runaway Cat. Right. Okay. And it's basically so two years ago, yesterday. Gobi walked into Lara's life and Lara had been the sort of my baby if you like she was my little girl and here I am bringing this little stray dog in from China and they've they've had to get to used to you know being together and living together and sleeping and eating together and there's been a few a few moments where I think they both probably thought what is this other animal doing in my life <laughs> uh, so we I've had some fun putting a fiction book together and it's published by HarperCollins who published the Finding Gobi book on the 7th of February and it's basically Lara's sort of take on the story and Lara's adventures since. So Lara actually, in the fictionalised version, she becomes sort of upset and um, she feels a little bit betrayed by what I've done bringing Gobi home and she sort of wants to go out into the world and find her own adventures as well. So she runs away to find herself and to find... Uh, what's out in the world because she's an indoor cat she's never been outside before so it it takes her on a real adventure and we have uh, a little bit of fun with Gobi's voice throughout the book as well and uh, throughout the book she ends up in Australia she ends up in China she's in Paris it's uh, it's quite a journey and uh, we're really excited to to release it and the feedback I've had already on people that have taken a quick read of it for me has said um, that they love it so yeah it's uh uh, it's going to be available seventh of February everywhere in all of all bookstores, all the supermarkets in the UK, etc. Oh, excellent! Well, ah, looking forward to to listen to reading that one as well. Yeah, and one other question now. This is um this this is one uh, that my my co my host Tom asked. Uh, Tartan Running Shorts is looking for a mascot. Can we have Gobi as our official mascot? <laughs> <laughs> The real it would be a pretty cool mascot. He would it? be an amazing mascot, but uh, yeah, you don't have to answer that one. But uh, we'll, we'll certainly um, we'll certainly have maybe we can put, read, put extracts of finding Gobi on onto the podcast as well. That would be the that would be what we That would be cool. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so yeah, other than that, um, thank you so much for your time, and and yeah, you're off to Hawaii. I believe um, so and just to start your training again so good luck with the training and uh, we'll be following your progress throughout the season and uh, look forward to reading the, the new book that's coming out as well so perfect thank Thanks. you so much yeah it's going to be a, another full on year of uh, of races and events and yeah, another book release um, yeah I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully uh, it's a it's a great 2019 for all of your listeners out there as well perfect thank you very much cheers thanks thanks
Fantastic. Cheers, Kyle, for sorting that one out. Look forward to listening to that in the, in, when I finally get round to uh, <laughs> listening to this week's. Well, well, we'll upload it tonight and it'll be ready for everyone in the morning. So, or ready for you in the morning. Excellent, excellent. So I'm actually going to, before the next thing we want to talk about is a bit of running news. And I'm going to put you on for this one because you as our resident ultra man are the man to speak about this. But this very week, and it's this is hot off the press, but there's been some incredible performance from Jasmine Paris at the Montaigne Spine Race. There has that, Tom, exactly. So Jasmine Paris is uh, a fairly well-established um, uh, innovate runner and has, has been running ultras for God knows how long now. And she's just finished winning. She's just completed the Montaigne Spine Race Ultra, which is 268-mile race, 13,000 metres of elevation, non-stop seven-day challenge uh, along the, Penin, the Pennine Way. Um, and that includes the Peak District, the Cheviots, the Yorkshire Dales and the Northumberland National Park. So this race has been going on for a, a good few years now. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's 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 a, a fairly uh, a well, a good international field that go along to it. Um, and yeah, brilliant to see uh, Jasmine Paris not only winning the women's race, but she she was a winner overall, and she, not only did she win overall, she obliterated the course record as well. So uh, that's not that's the overall course record for men and women. So wow, just amazing. Um, so she's a mum mum of one, uh, and she's also, which is incredible, she is still breastfeeding and is understood to have been expressing milk at checkpoints along the way uh, during the race. And uh, yeah, she'll be reunited with her fourteen month year fourteen month old baby daughter at the finish line. <laughs> fourteen year old. Yeah, being breastfed. How how incredible is that, Tom? What breastfeeding a fourteen year old? I mean I've never that, heard anyone do that. That is that's incredible. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I i do not mean to no. She that is, is incredible. The fact that she's the fact that she's in that sort of shape within fourteen months of having a baby is unbelievable. It's incredible! It's incredible. I mean, this race is one. It, it's, it's deemed as one of the the toughest endurance races in the UK. Um, it's also not only the the actual you know the terrain of the race, but it's in the winter. You know, it's, yeah. it's incredibly cold out there. And all you have to do is look at the look at the race. Um, have a look at some of the images, Instagram, uh, the the course profile, and you'll just see how tough the race is. And um, and some of the things that they, you know, they have to, you know, they're not they're not wearing just a, a pair, you know, a vest and shorts. They're, they're fully clothed and waterproofs and warm clothes because I mean, for the sheer time you haven't to run, it's you're gonna, you know, there's a high risk of getting hypothermic out there. So, um, yeah. So there you go. That's uh, that's that's the race. So it'd be really really good to get Jasmine Paris on the show. Um, so if anyone would anyone has knows her really well and uh and wants to have a chat with her and get her on the show that'll be much appreciated so uh, yeah so yeah that's that's that in terms of the ultra running news tom um we also have the maybe not as not as far um the marath some marathon news the london marathon is the elite list is up and we have a number mm. of um high level athletes going along to it don't we we do. So this is what they're calling Elite Week. So they're announcing all the elites. The big headline internationally is that Elie Kipchoge will be returning. So he's going to go head-to-head with Mo. 
when we'll stick with those two right now before I go into the the Brits then how do you see that one going down Kyle right now forget about anyone else who may or may not come into the field but Mo versus Kipchoge it's got to be Kipchoge and what do you think he'll 100% Kipchoge so can right I I I think you and I need I'm I'm prepared to take a bet on this with you right now Uh, okay but what's the bet going to be then so well I I'm you know it's whether I just I guess just to keep things interesting let's say let's say 20 quid I reckon Mo will win the London Marathon 20 quid yeah I think we should do something daft alright alright okay a tattoo of a tattoo of 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 your name your name on me and vice versa I tell you what if the if if Mo wins then let me get this if Mo wins then I want to see you I'm thinking what I can get you to do at a park run. Run a night, run a run a twenty minute mile for each kilometer, or each mile, not kilometer. No, I think we'll get uh, you to run. Oh, here we go. If if you run a park, you run a park run in an outfit of my choice. Right, fine, and then uh, the same to you. Vice so versa, yeah. If Kipchoge wins London. Then yeah. I'm going to get you to run an outfit of my choice. Yeah, fine. And we will reveal what that'll be uh, near the time because I'm gonna have a good think about that one. So uh, I, I th- yeah, God, me too, mate. mate. I'm gonna say like every <laughs> listener, everyone who's listening right now, knows that you're you've just lost a bet. Well, you say that, but I think so. I tell you what, a, I, I think it's a. I'm quite just keen to put a bet on the show. But secondly, I think Kipchoge had the race of his life in Berlin. So I've got two questions. A, is his motivation still there? Secondly, Mo is a racer, and Mo is getting in better shape. Kipchoge ran a fantastic. Kipchoge is a different class to Mo, but is Kipchoge going to run two hundred one in London? I'm not sure he is. So say he runs. He's going to run a two hundred two or something, and, and Mo's going to run a two hundred six. So Mo ran two hundred five in Chicago. I think Mo's going to go two hundred four. Put it this way: if Mo's running sub two hundred five, and I think he can, then he is. He's in the mix. He, yeah. Anything can happen in a race, mate. Kipchoge is unbeaten in London. He's had three victories uh, in his last three appearances. 2015, 2016, 2018. I think, and you think I, Mo from the UK is going to beat him? I think... The I best think ever most, marathon runner, the world record holder. I, I think Mo is going to beat him. He hasn't got any more, world records. What, what's most likely to happen in London, I admit, is Kipchoge will break the London record. I think that's what's going to happen. But I think if it turns into a foot race, you can't write off Mo Farah. And let's be honest, Berlin was a time. Berlin was a, it was it was a it was pace for world record. I don't see London. I don't see London having the same. I just think it's going to be more of a race. And if it's a race and Mo's in with a sniff inside that last ten k, I think you never know what might happen. Now, and I and I want to have a bet with you. So right, well, game on. Any. Let's shake on it. Air shake. Yeah. Here we go. Virtual, virtual shake. Virtual air shake. You've heard it on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Fine, I'm looking forward to this bet. I can't, I can't wait to yeah. see you running in a baby's <laughs> outfit or something like that. Yeah, uh, you're going oh, to look fantastic in a mankini. <laughs> oh no! I wish it. Well, I haven't. We haven't agreed. We well, haven't I agreed can, it's up to me what, uh, what I get you to wear. Anyway, if, right, any, so, if anything. So that is, I should apply the cowbell to myself. Anyway, but just to back on London Elite Week, 
other names of interest. So Andy Vernon's going to be running. Scotland's, more importantly, Scotland's Callum Hawkins and Scotland's Robbie Simpson are both lined up. We've also got Charlotte Perdue and Lily Partridge on the women's side. So an interesting Scott, interesting field on both sides. I mean, other guys, Johnny Miller. We've also got Tesegi Tewaldi, Scotland. Andy Davies, Josh Griffiths, Matt Sharp. So, you know, really, it's going to be fascinating to see some of these boys smack down. As, if all those Brits line up, that is going to be tasty. What's your um, what's your prediction? Top three guys and girls. So I think. Or in UK terms. John. Uh, so I'm going to say Dewey Griffiths, first home. Okay. Calm Hawkins will run. I think Calm will PB. I think he'll go. I think Calm will go two o nine, and oof, next is tough. I think you could pick any of them. I think Johnny Meller and Robbie Simpson. I I think Robbie will improve. I think we might see Robbie at. What's maybe two thirteen something like that? Maybe quicker. Yeah. I mean, okay. Robbie Robbie's got time to find. I think Johnny Meller. Johnny ran two twelve. Is that right? I don't have anything in front of me. But I think uh, yeah, he's done a two twelve. Yeah. So that next that third spot will be really, really competitive. Very exciting. I'm gonna go for Calm Hawkins, Dewey Griffiths, and Robbie Simpson. Nice. So okay. So I'm. So let me. I'll go. I'm going to go almost that, but Dewey Griffiths, Calm Hawkins, Robbie Simpson. Oh. And on the women's side, I think we're... I'm a little bit disappointed Steph Twell's not lining up, but I guess she's. it's probably quite soon for her after... Maybe she didn't want to do two such close consecutive blocks after Valencia. Um, but I think... I mean, you're looking at, yeah, I mean, Charlotte Perdue and uh, Lily Partridge. I mean, you would probably... They're so closely matched. I think I would... I think Charlotte Perdue... Then Lily Partridge. I'm going to go for Charlotte Perdue and Lily Partridge as well. Right. Okay. Just to be just to be the same as you, Tom. Nice. Well, we can't bet <laughs> on that one. No. Exciting. Exciting. So that's uh, that's a long way away. April. We we've got a few things to happen between now and then, but we'll we we'll look forward to seeing these guys in action. I think Hawkins. I think I read somewhere. Maybe I'm dreaming it. I read that Hawkins was going to run the big half, and Nano Mo is. I, I think he is. Yeah. I think there's yeah. there is chat about that. Yeah. And I understand. Yeah, I understand. We, we have uh, big Tommy, Tommy from TRS uh, lining yeah. up for the big half. Fingers crossed. Absolutely, yeah. I think I'll be, I'll be there. We'll, I might be a big, a big chunky. chunky <laughs> I'll be going round. You'll be getting so. Kenny Wilson's also keen and going. Isn't he, he is actually. Yeah. yeah. So maybe go meet up with Kenny for a cheeky pizza express. <laughs> oh dear. Well, talking about half marathons. Um, so Fiona's got the Houston half marathon this weekend. Is it she Sunday? Does, Sunday or Saturday? It's on Sunday. And you know what? She is she's absolutely uh she's nervous because the forecast is minus eleven Celsius. Oh, really? oh no. I can't oh. even I can't imagine racing in that. So she's panicking. Does she buy a long sleeve base layer? Does she So I've said to her, just buy something online, get it to your hotel. You need you can't run a vest in that. Or that it'll be like the Boston Marathon again. Oh, Everyone be wrapped be... up. It'll be like the the, the ice, the, the the Arctic Ultra, the Arctic Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there's a couple of Brits over there. I think uh, Ali Dixon is running, and also running in the half is uh, the girl who signed for NEZ Elite. I can't remember her name. Um, that's terrible. Anyway, another British girl, Alice Wright. She's running. That's it. So uh, three Brits that I know of in the women's field. Um, I don't know anything about the elite field and the men, so looking forward to seeing how she goes on weekend, Fiona. Yeah, good luck, Fiona. Have a good one. 
So, um, before we finish off with other races coming up, running rants, we've had Big Dave Wilson from Big Dave Fabrican's been in touch. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I wrote that in the notes. Sorry, Dave. I know you just put Dave from Brecon, but just try to make it interesting. Uh, Dave Wilson has mentioned he's noticed a few groups that he's in, uh, people are adding their walk to Strava, to their own Strava. Walking to the shop doesn't count to your weekly mileage. If you want to add that, then run for your milk. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't say just cheers. He says, cheers, guys. Looking forward to more brilliant content in 2019. Thanks so thanks. much for the positive vibes, uh, Thank, Dave. Thanks, Big Dave. Yeah, cheers, Big Dave. Um, so, no, he's got a really good point. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Tom? You, well, you know my thoughts on, on these. This <laughs> I'm sure I've saw you uh, having a couple of walks here and there. That'll be you in, be you in the next that, few days. Well, maybe soon, but <laughs> I'm not a you. fan of... I'm not a fan of such Strava wankery. That is unacceptable. You know, if if it's Strava is not for walking. Let's be honest. Yes, there's I mean, a, there's a, an option to walk on Strava. I, there's options for many things on Strava. You Doesn't can, mean it should be allowed. <laughs> you can even put sexual activity on Strava these days. Blame me. I tell that, you what. I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> if if someone if heart rate monitor. So be whatever Some... you want it to be. You can it's... even put your put your GPS on and uh... clean it up, right? If if someone decides on their Strava to walk to the shop, I've some seen people do this out to get milk. That's unacceptable, right? Now, what I will allow people to do is go for an actual walk. So if someone's got like I've hiked up Ben Nevis. Big kudos. I'll give that a kudos. In fact, that's how much I respect that. But walk to the shops, nah. Well, but I walk, I walk along the eight, the what was it, the world's way. The world's way, yeah, <laughs> that is that's worth it. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a long walk. The other one I don't, I'm not a fan of is like you get people like walking to the bus. Like, come on, man, you're doing that's not. I mean, that's Strava's all about tracking your activity. You know, to keep tabs on it. Surely you're doing that anyway. That does. I don't know. Maybe walking, I'm in the, walk, the walking to the walking to the bus with a surge when the bus starts moving away from you. <laughs> exactly. It's, oh, jeez. So yeah, what? I've, so whatever Strava Wankery is it then? Well, I've seen there's a. If you go on Twitter, there's a great account called Strava Wankers, and there's a guy who is Straving his. I was about to. I was about to Google that, but I realised this isn't my laptop. So. <laughs> yeah. So you get people who put lawn mowing on. You've got like, I mean, it's some of the stuff people put in Strava is is ridiculous. I've seen. I've seen people. I mean, I've seen walks to the shops. I've seen uh, what have I seen? You've seen people. I've seen people put five aside matches on, which I'm not a fan of. Like, yeah, I get it. It's interesting to find out how far you you move during a football match, but I mean, come on, that's uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's a. I don't know. I, I don't really understand. What, it's not optimal. You don't need the Premier League to track your, you know, your your stats during a football match. Nah. Yeah, I've got. <laughs> I've got a mate who put a Strava on for a game at Scotch. Oh no! <laughs> There's like point one mile an hour. Uh, no, zero point one miles. Yeah, I was like, oh god! And right, you just seen go. this little red dot going about everywhere, you know? Oh, it's brilliant. So I've got uh, I've managed to get the uh, the Strava wanker account up, and uh, it's yeah, the most recent one I can find is is sure enough someone walking in the garden. Like, I mean, <laughs> 0.4 of a mile. For, for some people, that's quite a lot, though. I mean, you've got to remember, not everyone can run. Not everyone can 
Or maybe there is people who everyone listens is likely a runner of some sort, but you know, some people really struggle to do a mile. Some people. Here's don't. one they put up. Someone said in the Trafford Centre. So someone's been walking. They've got <laughs> 4.2 miles. Firstly, how can you clock 4.2 miles in a shopping centre? That maybe is actually worth a kudos. Secondly, <laughs> it's a, there's a thing it says sta, sta, standing five and a half hours. I don't quite understand that. Standing for five and a half? That's hard yeah. work, standing for five and a half hours. Though. But Strava wankers, actually, they they really call this stuff out. Like, one of their posts last week was, no, it's fine, honestly. I don't need to see your year in sport videos. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a fair point as well. That's one thing it doesn't do anything for me. The end of year uh, tirade of people's like, oh, I ran th- this. I've actually done it in the past, which is, which is why I'm ashamed of this. <laughs> that people say, oh, I ran X thousand metres or whatever. And I mean, keep it to yourself. It's for, it's for you. It's not for anyone else. It's not. It's, you can, there's an option to share that if you, if you so wish. I guess I mean, that's a good thing. I, I think it inspires others to... To take to to run and to enjoy our sport, you know. Um, Here, here's something. Here's a chip. So here's a diff, slightly different play on this run. Is something that annoys me on Strava is the use of. I'd have talked about this with a group of mates in the running club a lot. The use of the B word on Strava. People go out and it's a little bit windy on part one. Brutal wind down at the prom. <laughs> <laughs> no, brutal is a very strong word. Now I'm not sure any race. That is a park run warrants the word brutal. To be quite oh, honest, even if it's a still day, get that brutal in there, and you'll you'll be you, everyone will know it was a it was a windy day until the people who were there are like, hold on a minute, it wasn't a brutal day down the prom that day. Um, exactly. Wow. So I just think that's uh, that's that is a bit a bit daft. The other one I'm just gonna well I've got a Strava Wankers account on here that I'm gonna highlight, which is quite an interesting story. Is there's they're claiming someone's our hero. There's a woman who, for three years, has only run runs that are in the shapes of penises. <laughs> so you know the GPS map. Yeah, yeah. I'll need to. Sh- I'll share this on the TRS account. Actually, the headline is: "Woman has been expertly running in the shape of dicks for only th- for over three years." And wow. it, it shows some of them. I mean, these are these are very very detailed drawings. Oh, I mean, she's geez. got she's got bars. He'd, I mean, it's it's all in there. So, <laughs> but I've I've always it. I've always wanted to run uh, or to draw draw like a a route of some sort of. I, if it was a penis, then so be it. But just something. But I don't know how to do it because it's very difficult. You'd have to have like a big wide open field to do it. Yeah. Um, well, she's it, done it on streets. Oh, has she? How the hell do you do it's that? Ama- it's amazing. You, I'll send you. I'll, I'll share the link and you can look at it. I, you, you pre-plan it. Yeah, I was going to say you must have to pre-plan that to to do that, and then you'd also then have to have like a phone or a, a watch that shows you where you're going to go. And um, okay, well, that, that, we could maybe. I tell you what, here's here's a thing, right? So when we get these this pair of tartan running shorts, once we get this up and running, the person who draw, who who writes tartan running shorts and a pair of shorts in their next run. Yes. Gets a pair of tartan running shorts. How's that? How, that's a great competition. That is a great. That's great. So that's great. If anyone can be arsed even doing that, um, and if, and you do it, please send it over. And when we receive the tartan running shorts, we will send you a pair. We will indeed. 
on this, right, this woman, I, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by this, not just the shapes that she's drawing, right? So, this is fantastic. This woman, firstly, they're, she's all, her, they're calling out the fact that her Instagram account only has 2,000 followers, where <laughs> this, this is what Instagram was built for, this sharing this sort of imagery. But more interestingly enough, right, she was called out, someone have called her out as being sexist because she's only drawing penises. So she went out and drew, a, for want of a better word, a vagina <laughs> on her next run. Brilliant. She is an absolute hero. Way Aww. to go. So if you if you're interested, she is I mean her name is call it what you call it as it is on the on Instagram. Dick Run Claire. That's her name on Instagram. <laughs> well just make sure when you you're typing that in that's Aye, be careful. Be yeah. careful who you're who's <laughs> yeah. about it. Eh? Make sure you've got your not safe for work filters on. So that is a that's a I'm gonna share that on the TRS account over the weekend because that is hilarious and i think more of our listeners should support this endeavor i mean she's got that's a skill really is that is anyway so big dave fabrican we've really hijacked your rant there <laughs> but there's there's drama there's there's a lot of good that can come in Strava. exactly yeah there's a lot of good that comes from rants as well there is on on Strava. just to close out in strava we had a competition on our metro club account last year to draw a picture with your like like you suggest with trs and the best one would win a prize or something you can imagine, in line with that article, if you ask a group of people to draw things on Strava, <laughs> what do they draw? Penis. Willies. <laughs> so, sure enough, the winner was a giant willy. Oh, so, who was that again? Who did that? Was it not old man uh, Dave? I think it was uh, Will. Chris Richardson. Was it Chris Richardson? Was it? He did it, uh, to be fair. He did a stick man with a willy. Oh, did he? So it was, uh, there was a bit more... I hope it wasn't a portrait of him, sir. Uh, was that a big willy? Tr- trust me, that's the picture. That ain't him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, I was going to say if you know that, Tom. Wow. Well, uh, well, bear in mind that the guy's Willie was as long as his leg. I mean, well, maybe it was uh, a portrait of him. Then. Maybe it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Chris. I, I, I hear Chris is uh, Chris is in and has got a little bit of a niggle as well. Is that is that the case? Uh, I think he's yeah, he's got a hamstring issue. Oh God, yeah. right. These we need to sort ourselves out. Yeah. Really do, or we're gonna have no content. We we yeah. really are. This will this podcast will just become a, a gaming podcast. It will, yeah. <laughs> well, tartan running, tartan Fortnite shorts, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. right. So anyway, great rant, Dave. Thank you for that. It was good to have a. I do like ranting with Strava. It's one of my favourite pastimes. So <laughs> if we um, talking about races then coming up. So we already talked about the. Houston races that's overseas but more locally actually I think there's a couple of we've got East League this weekend in Livingston so that again if you've not entered you can literally rock up to that just tell your club you're going and uh, and, and get involved in that so that's a good cross country race on Saturday what else have we got? Uh, there's actually a race on Friday night uh, it came across my uh, my radar it's the Des Woods night race near in Bangary that's oh. on Friday night, so I don't know yeah. the link, but just Google it. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, so that's they're supposed to be excellent. That's a really nice place to run, Deswood. I've run up there uh, last winter. It was really good. Was it? I mean, the race itself, it's like two pound ten, so it's brilliant. But the only thing you need is you do need a head torch, and you probably need some cover as well, uh, full body cover, because it'll be cold and you don't want to get lost. Not in Absolutely, the woods, yeah. especially not on a Friday night in Bankery. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, what else do we have coming up? Uh, we that... have we yeah not much else. There's a they're looking at it now. We've got the three K. Actually, next Friday the three K in the Green in Glasgow. 
Okay. This and Friday, also, next Friday. Uh, next Friday, next Friday, but also next Friday, you've got a next Saturday, 26th, North District Cross Country League, and also, you may have done this, the Devil's Burden, the relays. You ever I, done that? I haven't done that, actually. Um, right, next year, we all we make all these grand plans, never happen, but this one will happen. TRS, let's put a team in for the Devil's Burden next year. That sounds a hoot. Um, we, can stay the, with, we can stay with my mum and dad afterwards. Get oh, brilliant. And where does lunch. it go? Does it go up the Falk, Falkland? Well, is yeah, it a hill up Yes, East Lomond and West Lomond. Right. Those. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's make that a date for next year, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, that would be grand. Definitely. So, anyway, yeah, good luck to those who've, uh, who are running those races, but we can talk about that. But, yeah, there's not much really this weekend. It's Actually, sorry, one thing is it's because it's not in the fixture list. This weekend is the um, – there's a Belfast uh, home country. So, of course, we've got our man Cameron Strachan is flying the flag over at the – the home countries. Is that this weekend? That is this weekend, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, good luck to the Scottish guys and girls going along with that. And yeah, Cameron, big shout out to you. First um, first cap as a senior. I'm sure it will be the last one. So give it a good yep. bash and do Scotland proud. And we do. And we've also got Kenny Wilson, another friend of the show going over. So Kenny, good luck. Kenny's had a few niggles looking at uh, his Instagram of late. He's been on the turbo trainer. So... I hope he didn't run North District, uh, sorry, into districts last weekend. So Kenny, we look forward to seeing you back in action this weekend. Just to rattle through the squad, it's quite interesting. So women, Mary McLennan, obviously off the back of into districts win. Rebecca Burns, Joe Williams, and Michelle Sanderson. And then the men, we've got Cal McKenzie, who's in good form. Ali Hay, who is in electric form. Cameron Strachan and Kenny Wilson. So that is a strong men's yeah, team. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'll really be strong. Exciting. Yeah, we'll see really how that goes. So yeah, good luck to everyone who's uh, who's heading over for that. Fantastic. Right, well, we'll round it off by, as usual, um, if you do want to get in contact with us, you can email us at tartanrunningshorts at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Facebook, just search for Tartan Running Shorts. And we also have a Twitter handle, at Tartan Shorts as well. Um, so any other goodbyes you want to, anything else you want to say? Hi to your dad, hi to your mum. Hi. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all good. Okay, perfect. Right, well, we'll see you. Well, I won't see you. I keep saying this every week, Tom, every week. I won't see you next week. We'll speak to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.